0: Now for something completely different forget everything you've been told by others before get ready for the real deal the full story real talk about money markets life now it's the real investment show presented by ria advisors
1: and good morning it's a new year Although based on traffic, I think people are still taking a little bit of time off. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday, I'm Rich Rosser here with Danny Ratliff CFP Squared. So we appreciate you being with us. We have a lot of exciting things planned for you this year. But in the meantime, it's pretty quiet. Not on the roads, but just in markets. Yeah. We've seen some rotation out of tech. Right? Yields are kryptonite to stocks. So if yields creep higher, stocks are going to take it on the chin, especially tech. But for the most part, um, I think there were lessons from last year, Danny, that investors need to understand... um, especially ones that get real impetuous and emotional and make knee-jerk decisions, because if you decided that last year was discouraging, and for most of the year it was, and you decided that you were just going to get out of stocks and go into 5% money market, well, you missed a hell of a rally, didn't you? Which tells you you just cannot get all out of stocks or all in. It doesn't work, especially when... We are so keyed into the Fed. And they are so keyed in to what's going on in markets. The, 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 the alliance is too strong to break. So the narrative of Goldilocks is definitely out there. But before we go into that, last year, right, how many people wanted to say, well, why would I do this when I can do this and missed out on a tremendous rally? Well, I think there's a lot of people, and it's easy to understand. I mean, market
2: dynamics have shifted significantly throughout the year. I mean, we did see – we we talked about this ad nauseum in the sense of what has done really well. And, you know, being that there was the tech sector, now you are seeing a little bit of that rotation. Now, how how long that goes, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, where this year so far it's been healthcare, financials, utilities, which have done, you know, well compared to their peers.
1: Like whatever did the worst last year, right – we're seeing some money go into that. And that's what we saw in October, November, December, finally. Because as money managers, how discouraged were we? Yeah, I think mean everybody. You know, it's the seven stocks, that's it. And we did own, or we do own, semiconductors. And we do own some of those stocks for those who were in our stock portfolios. We do have tech, ETF, um, and semiconductors. But no fiduciary, no money manager in their right mind is going to put you all into seven stocks.
2: No, that's no, not a and, and risk and not manager at all. No. Well, and I think that was the most frustrating part about last year and the, the sentiment changed significantly when you look at how poor you know, August, September, October was, then you get into November. And I think by the time everybody got to the end of November, people were a lot more optimistic. And, you know, I, I see it waning a little bit now going into the new year that, you know, some major shift has occurred, but nothing's really
1: changed. Nothing has really changed except the fact that yields are starting to creep up. And frankly, six rate hikes, right, are priced into the market. Now we have this morning, we have important numbers this morning, right? We, so we have non-farm payrolls. The estimate is supposed to be 162,000 jobs. But the number you really need to keep an eye on is average hourly earnings and where they're headed. Um... Yes, the rate of change of inflation is slowing down. But inflation itself and where it is today, for many items that you buy, Brett was just talking about his uh, homeowners insurance going up what, sixty percent? Over sixty percent. Average
2: average increase was thirty seven percent. I mean it's so well but in that instance that just shows you need to pay it pays to shop.
1: It does pay you to gotta shop, shop, but even it. then, you're really not going to save maybe as much as you think for as long as you think because all of these companies are raising prices. There is going to be a point. Now, we're starting to see job hoppers not hopping as much, right? We are starting to see wage growth temper. That's important. But unemployment rate is still very low. The jobs market is still very strong. People are still spending, and there's still a lot of cash out there. So the fact that we've already baked into the Goldilocks cake Six rate uh, decreases coming. Um, that's what the market expects. So you always got to wonder when the skies are clear and the water is glassy, and you, you're going to be complacent. You're going to go with this narrative, which is the most popular narrative right now. right? Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold, just right. But then you got to worry about one thing. When cocaine bear enters the room... And takes Goldilocks away. Not one of those nice little bears. Cocaine bear. So you got to be aware of the fact that the market has baked into this cake a lot that is supposed to happen. That could be very disappointing overall. I think yesterday, I mean, the market was up most of the day and then during the end of the day. We, we have a sell signal right now on the S&P 500, but that doesn't mean this is a fall off the cliff, you got to make a big change. No, sit back, watch it. I'm already seeing articles, Danny, talking about how, oh my gosh, January is so terrible. Oh my gosh, how, so goes January, so goes the rest of the year. So I put a comment on this article. For gosh sake, it's only the 4th. Can you wait? Can you just wait? But this is how super speed markets work. And you have got to make sure you don't take take it out on your uh, portfolio or your allocation.
2: Well, I think you're seeing that sector rotation. We are seeing technicals change a tad bit, but which which was to be expected as the market was extremely overbought. Yields were overdone um, you know, on the downside. You know, we do expect them to creep a bit. But, you know, what is you know, do they get that six rate cut? Yeah. What's going to prompt them-, them to do so? Um, you, you know, we're going to need more negative economic data. Now, granted, it is shifting downward a tad bit, but it's not in an area where, you know, doom and gloom, per se. That
1: correct. It's not. Now, PEs that's are what, high. Matter of fact, you need cocaine bear to run in for the Fed to possibly cut rates.
2: Yeah, and that's Unless typically not could, good for the markets, you know, no. initially.
1: So the anticipation, what's baked into the cake... Um, you have got to be concerned about the complacency. That doesn't mean you need to make a change. You just need to be sure that the narrative right now is Goldilocks and something is going to take her out. Maybe it's going to be Drago from Ram... You know, what was that? Sylvester Stallone. Rocky. So I always get more concerned when volatility slows down you're going to see an increase in volatility as the Fed disappoints the markets. Or if average hourly earnings come in hotter than expected, then the market's going to start to ask, gosh, where are these rate cuts? Maybe they're not coming as fast as we thought. And that's a danger. And that's a risk. So I would expect, especially as we get closer to the election, volatility will start to creep in. And then what are you going to do about it? I don't know. Well, I think don't this is chip. where
2: you need to find a discipline, understand it, mm-hmm. know what you're going to do in different instances, and you know, don't get so emotional about it. That's the biggest issue exactly.
1: here. Exactly. And, you know, everybody's very emotional. You don't get emotional inside your portfolio. When we get back. Resolve to be resolute. We'll under- help you understand what that means when we get back
0: Investment news you can use, delivered at the speed of the internet, at realinvestmentadvice.com.
3: Looking for clarity for your investments in the new year? You must attend our 2024 Economic Summit: Navigating Markets in a Presidential Cycle, featuring Greg valier Trump will be a big presence. The bigger story, in my opinion, is how weak Joe Biden is going to be. Is the Fed finished tightening? Liquidity, I think, is underestimated. Will rates ease this summer? States are still flush with cash. They haven't spent all their money from the pandemic relief bill. How will the election affect your investments? I don't see any political figure right now who can bring the country conclusively back together again. Register now for our 2024 Economic Summit Navigating Markets in a Presidential Cycle. Featuring Greg Valier with special guest Adam Tacker, plus Michael Lebowitz and Lance Roberts. Saturday, January 20th. 27th at the Hotel Sonesta Houston. Navigating markets in a presidential cycle. Featuring Greg Valier. Saturday, January 27th at the Hotel Sonesta Houston. Registration open now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com.
0: You're listening to The Real Investment Show.
1: This event we have coming up at the end of January with Greg Valliere um, is really important. Greg was someone that would come out to where where I was employed before and just have the most amazing in-depth commentary about politics, but in a way that really looked at it from an academic perspective. No tribalism, no emotional but just facts and what he thinks, how these markets, how we will affect markets. Who are the odds on favors to run? He was in the camp that uh, Joe Biden would not be running. So it's captivating to hear him speak um, and give you the insight outside of spin you might hear on whatever station that you, you listen to or watch. Very academic approach. Almost professorial in his, what, as Lance would call him, Greg, v- <laughs> Greg Valeri. <laughs> he made him Italian, which was fine. Greg Valeri. I'm glad he didn't call him Russ Valeri because that would have been weird. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is it's gonna be a great presentation and then Adam is there and Lance is there. Uh, Adam Taggart, Lance, and Michael, and taking questions about the climate. And then we'll feed you, too. So this is a special offer. It's 99 bucks. Go ahead and sign up at realinvestmentadvice.com. But I, for one, am like a little kid going to be at the edge of my seat taking notes when Greg is speaking because he really is one of the best He's appeared on how many stations? Bloomberg, Reuters. Um, I also like the fact that he doesn't appear on Fox or CNN or a lot of these other stations. He's really fit for something a little bit more objective than these other stations. So uh, I think you would enjoy it uh, if you'd like to come out and see us all. Yeah, I appreciated our initial call with him. He had a lot of different insight,
2: things that he was going to share that I think that yeah. it's a different perspective that many people didn't think about. It's not necessarily partisan. It's kind of thinking on both sides of the Critical aisle. thinking kind of thing. Yep, yeah. what could happen in this instance, what happens here, mm-hmm. and some things that I think a lot of people aren't maybe so
1: in tune with.
2: Yes. Just a different, a different thought process around it, and so I'm excited as well. It's very, going to be good.
1: Very sane, which is unusual. What is
2: that? in this world? Oh my
1: gosh. The guy is even keeled, let me tell you. very rare commodity these days. And his voice will soothe you. It'll be, yeah, I mean, he's just great. I'm really excited to hear what he has to say. But just even on our call to Danny's point, he threw out so much great information just even on the call that we had with him. So uh, one of the uh, highlights of my former career, which is p- pretty much about it, um... <laughs> Uh, but the road got you here, the right? Road, no, the road is great. The road got me here. But one of the memorable speakers, definitely, Greg. Uh, so hope we hope to see you that morning. And uh, we'll serve you lunch. And then there'll be a panel uh, with questions from the audience. So overall, if you're looking to be stimulated intellectually, we hope to see you. So, you know, this is a time of resolutions. And I don't make any. Anybody make resolutions? Do you make any resolutions, Danny?
2: we're a little different than most. It's funny, my my middle child asked that yesterday. Like, Dad, what are your resolutions? (laughs) I was like, well, son, I mean, I'm kind of always keeping track of goals, Mm -hmm. progress, um, you know, processes, things of that nature all along the way. And I think that's where, you know, if you do that and take bite-sized chunks, having one big astronomical goal that you're expected to hit by December 31st can be great. But I think you need to break that down, and I think that you know you always need to be setting goals for yourself so. for, for what you're doing. So I'm not necessarily in the camp of, you know, I think it's a bad idea. I mean, if you look at the studies, I think six percent of people meet their their goals. Um, most people fall off by you know about the what? Well, today, really, end of okay. this week. My goodness. Next week. I mean, the studies show that just people just don't. <laughs> wow. They don't do well with it. Um, I had some friends last year, they, they were doing a weight loss challenge. And I think by like week and a half, maybe week two, you know, nobody was was sending in their data or their numbers anymore. And I, but that's just indicative of, you know, it's a, it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. But how do you set things in place to make sure that you meet them? How do you celebrate the small wins along the way? I think that's what most people I don't do. I
1: think that's a big one. Yeah. The grit, the process is never good you've got to take, you've got to really enjoy it, that process. Like if you sit down and write or you want to lose weight, you can't be discouraged. You have to, or you're going to the gym and you go a couple of times and you're exhausted. You're making progress. You showed up. And I do think that people set the bar too high and then they fail. And I'm with you, Danny. I'm, I believe in ongoing goals or milestones, but also the path that gets you there. You've got to find ways to enjoy the path. And listen, I don't find a lot of joy sometimes sitting down and writing something or read studying something. But then I step back and go, I'm learning something, you know, I have to I have to sell myself. I don't want to go to the gym today. You know, it's raining, it's this. I have to sell myself on it. And that's, that's having that's being resolute about what you're gonna do. So all the financial articles we see toward the end of the year. They'll never change. Increase your savings in retirement accounts. You pay down your credit card debt. Check your insurance coverage for gaps. That's not bad advice, but we know it already. I mean, this stuff is drilled into our heads all the time. So you have to look at what kind of money improvements can I make, maybe a little bit outside the box, that I'm going to walk a little bit of a different path And I think one of the things you always get about, I saw it, I don't know, Danny, how many articles max out your retirement savings, max out your retirement savings. Well, guess what? You don't have to save everything for retirement. It's been drummed into us. Everything goes into pre-tax 401k accounts, but how important is it? So A.J. Leon, one of my favorite writers, big, explores the world, big thinker kind of guy, And he wrote this book, The Life and Times of a Remarkable Misfit. He says, step four is if you want to make money and lose respect, step four is never invest in yourselves. Stock every penny you have in a 401k that may or may not be there to greet you at age 65. I, I think, and we preach about this all the time, you have to have diversification of accounts. You can't just have all this money in pre-tax. And what I don't like, I saw a lot of articles this time, you know, cause Roth in the Secure Act is really picking up steam. More mm-hmm. and more discussions. You would not believe Danny, how many advisors sell Roth as a emergency savings account to take out, oh, you could take your after-tax out money anytime. That is not good advice. That is clearly not good advice.
2: Well, the, the problem with that is that it starts to train people to believe that this is a, a, a piggy bank, which it's not. And, you know, it's a great tool. Fantastic. We're getting more flexibility and a, availability with it. Mm-hmm. However, you know, we've got to think about what is that hierarchy of savings? Where do we go first? And so while I love if, if everybody out there could max out their 401k.
1: That's great. But. Roth 401k.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But. <laughs> Do you have an emergency fund? Mm-hmm. Do you have your financial vulnerability cushion? Are you investing anywhere else? Do you have multiple sources of income? So what I mean by that is that we can't just throw everything here. And then when something bad happens, the only place to go is that 401k. And then it's kind of like the credit card. You know, Oh, just this one time, I'll put it on the credit card. And you know, maybe you don't have the, the funds to make ends meet to go buy whatever it is that you need. Mm-hmm. And listen, there's going to be times that you have to do that. Yes. But... Once we typically open that box, we begin to go to it more frequently, right? It's like getting one cookie out of the cookie jar. That's Who right. gets one
1: Once you realize you can do it, then you have excuses to do it
2: and keep doing it. It's the Pringles can. Once you pop, you can't stop.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: I mean, because you become, okay, you know what? It's okay. I'll do a little bit more. Oh, this isn't a big deal. But then you end up in a hole or it becomes familiar. Mm-hmm. It's it's a habit.
1: and. And your advisor giving you the idea that that's, yeah, that's fine I to do like is not a good idea. Not a good idea. So diversify your accounts. To Danny's point, you've got to have, and again, most people will say three to six months of living expenses. We say 12. Sorry. I have a client. I spoke to a younger person yesterday, and she wants a match. She has no emergency savings. None. Zero. Zilch and she wants to max out her retirement account cuz that's what the guy at Mass Mutual told her to do. I said, "No." No. What's the match? She goes, "It's 4%." That's what you're doing. You're going to do 4% in the match in Roth. What Roth? No, I was told no. Okay, so Roth, and then we're going to open an online savings account. High yield savings and you're going to put what you would have put into the 401k into that account until it gets to the level we need it. Then I will be all for you. Putting more, putting more in because the one thing she said to me is what her mass mutual guy said was that, well, you can always take a loan if you need money. You know, they right away. We start with the leakage. Financial advisors cannot start conversations about retirement accounts with leakage. That's not the way to do it. Telling you that you can put after-tax contributions on a Roth. My daughter brought this up to me the other about four weeks ago, and I went, "What?" She goes, "Yeah, you know, I read about how this could be. You know, I could put it in there and I could take it out to buy a house because it's after-tax." No, <laughs> We're not doing that. We're not doing that. So we get back, we got about four more really cool ideas for you. Hey, you want to maximize your consecutive travel days without with your PTO in 2024? Take January 2nd through January 5th off. That's nine days. Nine days. You got to time it perfectly. I got to send this to uh, my girlfriend. Put it in the break room at the station. So we'll be right back. can you hear the sound that's in the air?
0: No it's rocking low it's rock low it's roll. it's, roll. it's roll. The Real Investment Advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com
1: going to ask Lance, hey, I'm going to get you a charger for, your, uh, for Christmas. And he said, don't you dare get me a charger. I'm like, okay, I'll just go in the car and drive away. It's a 1974 cherry red charger. You don't want it? Sorry. <laughs> Time to go. So be careful when you say you don't want a charger. Man, some of those classic cars, gateway cars, they have a the Mustang that was the same Mustang they used in bullet for the chase scene. They wouldn't even tell you what the price was You have to call them
2: you know it's not good when you have <laughs> to call
1: and it's like, not listed just keep scrolling Would't it be great to have a car like that? but then I think about where the heck would I drive it out here where the roads just mm. just are the roads speak to each other out here in Houston, and they say, I can't wait to destroy that undercarriage of that 1995 Dodge Plymouth, whatever. And I, you know what's, right? I mean, where would you drive it? It would have to be for shows, beautiful chargers, beautiful Mustangs from the 70s. Gateway's got a lot of them, but um, man, you would need a, a carrier, right? You would need a a flat you would need I, something to carry that car to wherever you know you're yeah, not gonna drive I mean, it, it, it in on West type timer, of
2: condition, you know. right? I mean I wouldn't go down West Time. We have a sixty six Mustang. Um, had it for years. But it does it's not a show car. And um, it's not a daily driver either. No. So you, you know drive it around the neighborhood. Yeah, the rule is you've got to drive it at least once a week. Um, you know, I mean I can make arguments to get rid of it, but it's uh I don't know, it's a drive it during parades. I see cars. Yeah, yeah, we've done that. Hand. We've done parades with it. Kids love it. Yeah. Uh, my wife loves it. In fact, there were times I said, man, what are we doing? Let's get rid of this thing. She's like, nope. But she has a bad day. It's great. I can throw the keys. Like, hey, go for a ride. Just Come back in an hour. Just don't go far. Yeah. The undercarriage
1: can't handle it. <laughs> Keep your cell phone closed. <laughs> oh, man. Well, <clears throat> beautiful cars. Beautiful cars. Um, so... One of the things as we talk about these ways to look at your finances in 2024, a little bit off the beaten path, is you've got to really consider your human capital. And what, what are you worth? You are your greatest investment. It's tough to think that way, but you need to choose yourself because that's wealth that you will achieve and increase your earnings over time continuing education opportunities, improvement options. I don't care how old you are. It's important to do so. So Coursera, <clears throat> I've checked out quite a few times. That's Coursera.org. 5,000 courses available at a nominal fee. There is, There are so many avenues online now, Danny, from a lot of schools and um, places that will teach you a new skill or sharpen your blade that I don't care what age you are, especially if you want to meet, you know, maintain your mental acuity to go ahead and check out. Well, because I have people that'll tell me like, Oh, I'm too old. Look, you're 45, dude. You're too old to learn a new skill. I think you should always be learning new skills, especially with
2: whatever you're doing, or maybe it's something that you you don't do right now, but it's just something that broadens your um, you know, what you do, your thought process, how you think about things. You know, I find that the learning, I mean, we, we spend so much time within finance and economics and all the things that go on with that, that, you know, we probably don't spend enough time outside of that mm-hmm. in many ways, um, but I find when I do, I appreciate it mm-hmm. you know, quite a bit more. But yeah, Coursera.org is, is pretty neat. Um, it sounded like, Rich, and Brent, you may agree, it sounded like he said, well, of course, Sarah, I've checked out online a couple
1: uh, times. Oh, of course, Sarah. Well, maybe <laughs> we should create a new one. I was of like, course. who's Sarah?
2: What is he talking about? Of course.
3: Siri's sister, isn't it?
1: Yeah. S- Sarah? S- Sarah is Sarah. Siri's
3: sister. Say that three times fast.
1: She's very serious. Yes. But there are so many avenues now to learn new skills. I don't, I don't care if it's photography, whatever it is that's going to, in the first couple of weeks, you're going to be very uncomfortable learning something new. But that's your brain sort of adjusting to that process. That process of adjustment, I don't know, fires up your neurons. You may feel it's uncomfortable, but I actually think in the long term, it's allowing you to make room to learn over time. Or you have existing skills and you've just gotten stale at some of the things you're doing now and you want to get better. Those levels of improvement are available to you in many ways today. When I see older Americans that have retired and go back to school, I give them a lot of credit. So I know one gentleman, he's 91 years old. He went back to school to get a degree. I gave him a lot of credit for doing that. He's not going to work. He's just in school, going to school for accounting. And I'm like, more power to you
2: to do it. Well, we're seeing a lot of people who retire. There's a lot more courses at universities that allow Absolutely. them to, to kind of broaden their what they're doing as well. And I think what's really good is it keeps people engaged. It keeps them social. It gets you out amongst people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we've seen a lot of retirees moving to college towns. I think it's a great thing, even if you're not going to use it. But just having that knowledge, being able to engage and just continue I, your education, I think is fantastic.
1: Absolutely. I have one client who went to school to become a certified financial planner Yeah. because he wanted to better understand the advice that I was providing to him. And I thought that was great. So people would say, well, then he's going manage, to manage the money on his own, and he's going to move his money. Well, he might. I
0: mm-hmm. don't
1: think so, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. He's learning... So when I talk to him, it's at a different level now, because he went through the courses and he also learned to appreciate what we went through to get that certification. That's true. Yeah. So he also has a level of appreciation. But why would why would someone who's retired want to do that? I'm never going to practice. I don't care. I want to. You're telling me this about my money. I want to know more. I give you credit all day long for that. So consider your human capital. If you are a younger person and think about what your earnings are going to be over a lifetime, anything you could do to boost that bottom line of you is going to be important. Just like what Lance says, you want to build a lot of wealth, true wealth, you create your own business. But also education is important. Even if you just say you want to work in the corporate world, but you're going to go ahead and take a step above and learn skills that will make you more valuable to that employer, you will make more money. Maybe you'll get stock options. Whatever it is, it's not going to hurt you, no matter what age. So that's called your human capital, and that's important. You also have to get your head straight, and today, what I mean by get your head straight, I am amazed of how jealous people are of others who are prospering financially. You didn't make this. You didn't do this. Oh, that was so easy for you. Uh, you should pay your fair share, and all a bunch of crap that I hear. When I was growing up, probably the same for you, Danny, because the world is very different. You would look up to people like that. Go, oh, how did they get there? You would aspire to that, right? You would, you aspire would ask questions. To that. You hey. would ask questions. Yeah, right. You, you like, oh, he. He or she did that. I think I could do that. Not today. Now it's, where do you have that I can take from you? Because you don't deserve that. Well, and that bothers me. So you got to get your head straight. You, you got to talk yourself out of, don't talk yourself out of empowering money habits. Jealousy is an energy sucker. It's a cash drainer. And I don't think anybody who's listening to this show has this mindset or on YouTube, but I am certain, you know, somebody who does. No, they're all around us. I think the social media
2: environment and then just what people are um, subjected to Mm -hmm. kind of fosters that environment where we want more. And then all the, just all the stuff that you hear, but you know, looking up to that or trying to aspire to that, I think that's not a bad thing, but understanding that what you see, number one may not be real. Number two, <laughs> if it is, it wasn't always this easy. And you may think it's easy from the outside looking in, but you don't know what they're dealing with behind the scenes. And, you know, that's like social media. I'm not a big fan of getting on there and posting everything, right? Mm-hmm. For four of those reasons. Not that I don't think, you know, like I'm going to make somebody jealous, but, um, you know, there the blood sweat, who- the tears, the sleepless exactly. nights, the things that you don't see. And
1: you don't know how long they
2: did that before they got to where they are today.
1: I have a lot of people who post like the accomplishments that they've had like I made this you know I got this award and all that. You just got to say hey that's great. You know that's that's a good thing. Yeah. You know. And if you make a lot of money, that's great. That's great for you and your family, most likely charities. But like one president said at some point you make you've made enough money. Whatever the hell that means. What is enough money? I don't know. If you ask that individual who said it, you got to look at how many houses that individual has and wonder is it, how many houses do you need and how big do they need to be? But what you have to keep in mind is you can even admire somebody like that who rose to that level if you look at the skill set that it took to get there. Yep. We we get, get back, we're gonna talk about our last couple of steps, things you need to keep in mind to be resolute. I like that word. I'm going to use it a lot today to annoy people in 2024. we be right back.
0: News you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com.
1: And we're back. <clears throat> so, 2024, I didn't realize people uh, give up the ship on their resolutions so early, but it makes a lot of sense. Actually, even at the gym. Well, an orange theory that I go, um, it's not as crowded as it I thought it would be in the beginning of the year. And a friend of mine said, the gym hasn't been that way either. So he, I said, I wonder if people are taking just an extra week off. <laughs> Maybe they'll be back in the groove next week. Well, I
2: noticed a lot of school districts, at least around here, yeah. some of them don't start till next week. Yeah. So many right. people are still traveling. The roads
1: have been a little quieter, mm-hmm. which I appreciate, especially this morning, pouring down rain. I know in Houston, some schools aren't back until next week. Yeah. So maybe we'll see a pickup there. I'll pick up my resolutions then. I'll create my own January start date. How dare you? So one other thing you have to keep in mind for 2024 is stocks are not the end-all investment. They're not the panacea for everything that you do. It's, yeah, okay, It's to fight inflation, stocks are the best thing. Listen, there are a lot of ways to do it. There are very few people that can keep 100% of their money in stocks. And if they were retired and living off distributions from their retirement account, we'll talk about this next week, more from some latest research from James Sandich, who I follow for retirement income. Um, it can be devastating for you to take withdrawals in a year that you're down in a stock portfolio in some of James's research, he shows that even if you're down maybe less than, less than 3% in the first year of retirement and taking distributions of 5%, that you could be putting your lifetime of withdrawals in jeopardy. Unlike Dave Ramsey, who says that you can take 8% a year out of your... I expect report. 12% returns each year. He never stops with that. He, You know, like there's certain commentary that he will not give up on that. 12% rate of return. You just won't, and you can just take eight. But three, four, you guys are nuts. That, that kind of advice is gonna put you in the poorhouse real fast, but you don't want to put all your money into the stock market. Equities beat inflation during long-term bullish trends, that's true. That's, that's about 44% of the last century. That's according to one of my mentors, Jim Otar, creator of the Retirement Optimizer, right? Deferred income annuities, making sure you're making good decisions with Social Security. Bonds, yes, I know bonds are a dirty word, but even though yields are coming down, they're still attractive if you're buying individual bonds. And I have people that are willing to just throw away Treasury inflation-protected securities because they're not getting 9.6% anymore. I have to get out of that now. Listen, this is an investment, albeit not very exciting that whatever the cost of living is, at least the government's assessment of it, you're gonna get it. What's so bad, What's so bad about that? What, you can't put enough in it, but why am I all of a sudden chucking it? Like it doesn't make anything and it's no good. You forgot the original premise of why you buy it. How many times did we have these conversations with people who were buying those DI bonds when they were so hot in the tips and we were saying, listen, this is not gonna, remember why you're buying this. This is a theme. The it's, the theme. It's, it's a theme. Remember small, the theme. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. It's, it's not something that's going to be there forever, but take advantage of it while you can. But keep in mind that you're only keeping up with the pace or rate mm-hmm. of inflation. And that's just, and that's the intent of it. Yeah. And, you know, you can't put a ton of money in there, $10,000 a piece. But uh, if you're married, however, well, if you do get a tax refund, you can put up to five additional. Yeah, five additional. But, and understand yeah. the rules if you take it out early. Mm-hmm. But this can go on for a long period of time. But the caveat is, I think most people, we, we visit, which could probably max these out. A lot of people
1: can't. Majority of America cannot max out $10,000. <laughs> I know. But you're not supposed to hate them because they're 9.6%. They're not doing what Microsoft is doing. They have a place. Well, that's for safer money, right? Exactly. So people have to understand that stocks are not the only investment out there, and they're not going to be the only things that will help you increase overinflation. You also have to keep in mind is that you want a balanced approach to what you're doing. Albeit, I understand stocks and bonds move together. Uh, this, this, this correlation has been very tight. However, it is important to look at other types of investments. And if you feel that your income stream, you're going to outlive it, then there are people I know who will go ahead and say, I'm going to max out Social Security. I am going to do an annuity structure where it's going to pay for all my fixed expenses. Anything I need to do to keep a roof over my head, I am going to cover by guaranteed income. Well, guess what? Those people can put 100% of their money into equities if they want to because they're not taking distributions from it. And if they are, they're minimal. I have one client that's done this where he's used Social Security and an income annuity structure to pay, for the most part, almost all of his fixed expenses. Some of his variable stuff, he takes the dividends from his 100% stock portfolio. That's it. He lets it ride. So even when the market's down, he doesn't care because he's getting a check that's coming in every month. He doesn't need to tap that account for anything. He will rebalance it, and if there's excess any gains he has, he will take that money out and he will go ahead and buy a treasury inflation protected bond or something guaranteed. But for the most part, he has a very aggressive portfolio for someone who's 77 years old because to him, the volatility is not not hurting him. It's his friend in some ways because of all the guaranteed income he has. Well,
2: it's the icing on the cake, right? If things do really well, he can he can distribute more. If things go poorly, he, he already has out. his expenses paid. <laughs> he says, "Hey, <laughs> right. I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna step
2: back. Maybe I won't pull as much from it this year.
1: Well, at, at all? Yeah, but it's not it's not a detriment to his retirement income Correct. strategy. It's right? not
2: the only thing he has.
1: Right. So, yes, financial media, many advisors, many wirehouses. Stocks are the only game in town. Listen, I love individual stocks. I invest in individual stocks. I study them. I've been doing that for a long time. I like it. I feel comfortable with them. I understand the benefits of ETFs for for most people. But I am seeing, I saw a study recently, Danny, more and more younger people, Gen Zs, are looking at stocks more than they are ETFs. It's so i starting to see more studies of actually them looking at individual stocks or being at least asking questions about them versus ETFs. So I thought that was pretty interesting.
2: That is interesting. I wonder what the thought process behind that is, especially because there's been such a push with the ETFs over the last, you know, 10 years. And they've gained so much popularity. I mean, if you look at these big, you know, BlackRock, Vanguard, they've been gaining market share. Mm-hmm. They're so huge. I mean, billions of dollars pour into these funds. And a lot of it probably through, you know, retirement plans, mm-hmm. not just people going out and purchase, purchasing them. But I get it. I think when you have a year where you see some of these individual stocks do really well and others not, I don't know. I, I wonder if people rethink that, unless they're only going after that specific
1: space. I would, I, I'm going to try to get, see if I can interview some of the people that I know because I think for some of them, they're comfortable with the names. Yeah. Like in other words, an ETF is sort of nebulous. Like. You know, it's got a fancy title to it. It sounds catchy, but I don't really understand what's inside it. But are we investing in the name or are we investing in the the
2: product, the company? Well, I think that's what it is. I think if I invest in
1: Apple stock, it's because I own Apple product. And I'm not apt to sell the stock as Mm -hmm. easily because I'm I'm sort of attached. Now, that's a double-edged sword. I could be attached to a loser. Like I told my daughter, don't be attached to losers. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. But... So, yes, but it's just an interesting trend that's starting to emerge. And I think maybe Reddit boards, Danny, I I notice when I go on and look at the, when I delve into that rabbit hole of Reddit, it seems like a lot of younger traders or investors are talking more individual stocks than they are ETFs. Like ETFs are for old people. We want the stocks. And, And if you're doing your homework, I get it. But how many of those people are doing homework as opposed to just reading something on a Reddit board and saying, oh, that sounds good? You know, that's another issue you have to take, you know, take notice of. But I just think it's an interesting um, trend. Well, and well, not only that, but
2: do people know what they're doing when they're doing that homework? Or are we just relying on data? Are you able to crunch your own data? data? Are you able to understand
1: and listen, the data is out there. The books are out there. If you want to learn, hey, free cash flow, what does that oh, mean? Great Dividend books. growth, right? A lot of great books on this. So, also, the last thing is stop the competition. I friends, they want more cars, more stuff, they want to compete. I don't care to compete with anybody else. I am not going to drive a Maserati to impress anybody. I don't need to do that. And I think your financial advisor needs to be that way. Don't you do Danny? Yeah. Well, uh, so I've never got the, the
2: impressed part, right? No, I never did the competition Mm -hmm. of that. And I I get, there are people that do that um, because everybody's different. Everybody has different goals. Um, And I think we have a different vantage point too. Yeah. Because we deal with so many different types of people. And, and listen, if that's your goal, great, but make it your goal, not somebody else's. And just because you, you know, I know people that, you know, if, if uh, Billy goes out and buys a Maserati, then, you know, Joe has to go buy one too, right? That's not always the best thing. What is your goal? Is it in these cars? Is it in certain things? That's okay too. But have you set everything else up? Because what happens when the cash flow starts or human capital begins to
1: diminish? That's when you get into the bigger problem. Hey, man, Timex and a Rolex are still going t- to tell you what it. time it is. Yeah. I, I, could, I couldn't care less about impressing anybody else. It's, and I think that's what the Millionaire Next Door book is about. Getting good value for good price. They don't buy the cheapest. They don't buy the most expensive. But they want value, and and quality. And if you like nice things, that's okay.
2: Just understand. Set everything else up prior. Just get them at Walmart. <laughs> we'll
1: see you next week.